The Small Town Business Podcast is sponsored by Visit Gippsland, the land of many wonders. Head to visitgippsland.com.au to plan your trip. Whether it's walking and hiking or cycling or driving, camping, fishing, drinking and eating, you'll be exploring some of the most unforgettable destinations around. Head to their website or get inspired by their social media. All the links are in the show notes. We were naive. We had zero farming background. We were city folk living in Kew. You know, I had a gardener in Kew, so I didn't even really garden. How can we make this property support us? When I stop in a small town or go on holidays anywhere, one of the first things I do is cruise the real estate agents on the main street. I love looking in the window and seeing what's for sale and what the house prices are and then dreaming of a little change an escape from the norm. Years ago when I was living in Melbourne, I took it to the next step and bought a piece of land in a tiny town called Rawson. It was gorgeous with established gardens and a big shed that I planned to turn into a holiday house. I was going to have some animals, grow a little bit of food and live that country bolt hole dream. But work and life and all of that stuff took over and it got too hard to go back and forth. So what happened next? I got married, we had a baby and we just moved to the country instead. I sold my land and we bought a house somewhere else. So where am I going with this story? Well, my guest today is Christy Plumridge and she and her husband Neil had a similar start to their tree change, but they not only bought the farm, they made it work for them. And now they are teaching others to not make the same mistakes we all made. Welcome to the Small Town Business Podcast. I'm Erica McEnany. I'm in Yarrigan South. We're about 90 minutes from Melbourne in West Gippsland. We came there in 2015. My husband and I and our family were looking to buy a farm and we were driving through Gippsland on our way up to Meetung and stopped off in Yarrigan, as you do, because it's the first town you can stop at as you drive into Gippsland, where you can get a cup of coffee, go for a little walk, stretch your legs. We went for a coffee and we were looking for a farm and my husband, Neil, looked up realestate.com and just happened to be up the hill, this farm. And he said, let's go and have a drive out and have a look rocked up to this property up a pretty steep hill and we immediately fell in love with this property because of its views into those beautiful rolling hills of the Streslecki Ranges. It's a beautiful area, Yarragon, for anyone who's not been there and probably a lot of people. It's sort of in the closer end of the Latrobe Valley. The hills are a little bit closer together before it widens out. Some of those views from up in the Streslecki's are insane and definitely worth visiting. Yeah, it's interesting actually because we'd driven through Yarragon lots of times and you do have that view as you're driving through looking at those rolling hills, but we'd never been there. We'd never actually turned right to drive up and have a look. I think lots of people who come now to visit us or stay in our accommodation, the Ridge House, really have that surprise. Like I didn't understand or realize how amazing it is just taking a 10 minute drive up the hill. You've mentioned the farm. You've mentioned just briefly the Ridge House. Do you want to give us a little bit of detail about the two businesses, the the many, many businesses that you're running sort of (laughs) off the back of those two businesses? Many, many (laughs) hats that one wears. When we bought the farm in 2015, our goal was to create 
a business or a lifestyle and an environment and a business, a home that we could live in that would also have some sustainability behind it being financially be able to support itself. The farm's 150 acres. When you're buying a 150-acre farm, there's a lot of work that's required. And the farm that we bought was quite run down. We were naive. To just let your listeners know, we had zero farming background. We were city folk living in Kew. And, you know, I had a gardener in Kew, so I didn't even really garden. Coming out and taking it on was quite overwhelming, I guess, in the initial aspects. But one of the things that we sat down and talked about is how can we make this property support us going forward? What, you know, our goal was to buy a property and create a lifestyle that we could come to as our kids grew up and we wanted to move out of Melbourne and retire. One of the key things we started off doing was finding local people that could help and support us that knew more than we did as we started on this adventure. Having a farm that had a sustainable financial aspect around it was a key. Over these eight years that we've been working on the property, we've built up a cattle business raising Angus beef. So we have about 700 head of cattle now, not necessarily all on our farm. We lease some farm around us. Uh, We have a organic garlic growing business that we've ventured into in the last three years. And then we also have a place called the Ridge House. So we ended up buying the property next door in 2017 because there was no house on our farm. So we sort of bought this property, lived in this house, renovated this house. Then when we finally moved over into the home on Green Hills Farm, I made a decision to roll that into the business as hosted accommodation. There wasn't a lot of accommodation around the Yarrigan area for us when we were trying to travel up in the beginning. So it was like a good option to do this. And yeah, and that's been very successful. So it was around coming up with two to three, possibly four businesses that we could work on to help pay and manage the farm. It's such a good piece of advice. My husband and I decided to move down here. We've been here for nearly 12 years now. And we didn't obviously build a farm or do anything like that. And we hadn't really, because we were just at the start of building our family, he was still commuting back and forth into Melbourne. And we'd had all these conversations about how the region would change and how it would grow and how the trains could only get better. They could only get faster and it's only going to get easier and easier to commute back into Melbourne, but that didn't happen. And I really surprised myself a few years in when I realized that I no longer thought about going back to Melbourne to work once the kids were a little bit older and because I'd settled myself in the community so well and because I had so many networks and because I was just really interested in being here. Instead of building a farm, I just I built a business instead. One of the things that people probably should think about if they're going to make a tree change is what the hell are they going to do? What are they going to do for work? The thing about immersing yourself in the community, making friends, it takes time and it takes energy. And if you're just coming in and out and using it as a place to sleep, you sort of miss out on all the good stuff. I would 100% agree with that. Another key factor for us in building this farm was we weren't going to build a compound and then lock everybody out. We were actually going to build a farm and invite people in. 
as our farm has grown and we've got a great veggie garden and all of that, we start to think about how can we start bringing people into the farm to learn from all of these things that we're doing. Then that next step was connecting with community. For me, I've done that through joining a program called Creative Harvest, which is an annual event where 15 food producing gardens opened up around the West Gippsland area. And initially my neighbor, one of our neighbors came in and asked me, do you mind opening it up? And now I'm chair of that committee and I love being part of that. And then also just joining the Yarrigan Business Association. And even though I'm not a business on the main street, I have a business that you know, attracts tourism through the accommodation. And those tourists want to go out and see local things. What's a great cafe? Where's a great place to eat? They want to go to the pub. They want to go for hikes, see galleries. And being connected with the business community means that I've got those personal relationships and I can send people down and say, you know, go down to the coffee shop and say hi to Jane and tell her you're from the Ridge House. And it allows that connection for them to have a little bit of that country experience as well. It is. I think that's one of the great joys of going and staying in a country town, feeling that sense of community and feeling that people know you. So yeah, being able to introduce yourself and say, oh yeah, Christy from the Rich House sent me down here. You know, you're going to get that gorgeous smile and you're going to get that extra special attention or they're going to talk to you about the views or they're going to recommend something for you. So that's a really lovely thing to do. It's actually the most joyous part of being in the country, I must admit. I know more people now in the country, my neighbours and people both in Warrigal, people in Yarrigan, people in Trafalgar than I probably did when I was living in Kew where you're pretty much stuck in your house and your community might be your school kids, but I must admit I didn't really know too many neighbours. One of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you was to get your perspective on that move to the country, on that building a business in a country, I know that you are about to start another arm of the business, which, which is actually knowledge sharing and teaching people. Can you tell me a little bit about that? This is really exciting. This is something Neil and I have been thinking about for a while. And this is this idea of building a course to share all of this knowledge that we've gained over the last eight years on that idea, that dream, that idealized lifestyle that people often dream about, about buying a farm. We started off quite naive and optimistic that that whatever was going to happen, whatever went wrong, we would work it out. As we've traveled through that over the last eight years, yeah, we've come up with lots of tips and tricks for people if they're thinking about going down that path, buying a farm and wanting to make a move and make a business. What might be the things that they think about? Things like location. When you find a location that you love, such as we did in Yarrigan South, we didn't think about the weather. So as you know, up in West Gippsland, we get a lot of rain. You know, having too much water wasn't something that crossed our mind. We were thinking like, oh, more about how we're going to secure water. But actually, because we live up in the hills, there's a lot of paddock runoff. So when you're growing crops, that's an issue We thought about coming up with this idea of running a course. We're going to try to run it later on in the year, starting it off at Green Hills Farm and then maybe turning it into an online course. But things like location, the quality of land, your time commitment, how much can you commit to time to building the business that you want to do if you're still based in Melbourne? Budget is a big thing. Running a farm is expensive. Our first two years, our money just went into doing things such as paddock regeneration, fencing, securing water, 
just getting those basic things into place, which is something that we really hadn't thought it might be a cost to us in two years. What are the options available to you to generate revenue? What are your skills? What other skills do you need to bring in? I think for Neil and I, his skills are definitely in the business and numbers and my skills are in marketing and media. And so those two things work really well together. But our skills in raising cattle, we had to find a farmer. And so you have to think about what is it that you have? Who else do you need to have part of that adventure with you? Yeah, I love that. I think with all businesses, I'm not a farmer. I've never been a farmer. No, lots of farmers. It's a business. And I think people sometimes forget how much it is a business. So your, so Neil's finance and business management skills and your marketing skills, actually they're the fundamental building blocks of any business. Not all farms need to market something, but you've chosen to go down that path. Often people have different skills. They have, they bring different skill sets to the table. So. If you were a farmer, if you had a beautiful permaculture garden and you wanted to expand it and you wanted to turn it into a business and move to the country and do that instead of in your backyard in Kew, everybody's going to have those different skills. Some people might need to learn about the financial aspects and some people might need to learn about the marketing aspects and other people might already be across soil and water and those sorts of things. So it sounds to me like it could be potentially a really great course for people who are thinking about making that tree change. Yeah, it's a huge investment because you have to think about how much is a beef price, when do you sell it? That's a skill. And if you don't have it, you need to find someone that's going to help you understand it because you can't make money unless you learn about how that works. People think like, I want to have goats and I want to make goat's milk soap. Well, have you thought about what is the cost of running goats? What is the cost of your time of milking goats, turning that into a thing, then packaging up, taking it to markets? And it's competitive. Super competitive. And who wants that product? You have to sell a lot of $5 soaps to make money. Going back to that idea of having those different income streams, for me, that's probably the best piece of advice to come out of this interview is just helping people to understand that you can have multiple income streams if you're smart. Because if you put all your eggs in the garlic basket, which makes no sense, if something happens and you lose that garlic, it, it goes moldy or it uh, you know, a disease. With COVID, that affected the accommodation business, but our beef business went up because of the prices of beef. But then the year prior to that, we had a lot of rain and our garlic went mouldy, making sure that you're balancing out your incomes that you're thinking about drawing on. So let's go back to the idea of community because moving to a small town, I know I've said this numerous times before, moving to a regional area, one of the most important things that keeps coming up in these conversations is community and becoming a part of the community. You've talked about joining the business group. You've talked about joining Creative Harvest. Both of those things also benefit your businesses. And I think that's really important because Creative Harvest is something that you love. It combines the gardening aspect. It combines the art side of things. Joining the business group allows you to help drive tourism to the town. And if you're driving tourism to the town, it drives people to your accommodation. It drives people to the businesses in town. It makes people stop. Do you have any advice for people about getting involved before they come here? 
Yeah, I think this is a really great point, Erica, about dipping your toe into the country lifestyle before you make a change. Ways that you can do that is using family holidays or a bulk of your holidays, like at least a good month, six weeks, and moving into the area that you think that you may want to live, just going into a short-term accommodation, and then immersing yourself into that life going to farmers markets, going into towns. You might even work it around some sort of event that you can volunteer for. For example, in Yarragon, the CFA have an annual book fair. It runs all weekend. You might volunteer to be a member of that book fair and help out for the weekend so you can start linking in with community people and getting a feel of what it's like to live into that community. Just taking some time to think about where you want to live. For example, there might be places that you go to way on holidays and you think, oh, Dalesford, I love Dalesford. I, I want to be in Dalesford. But then when you actually go and live that experience, it might not be what you want. Is it the town, the people, the vibe? Does it sort of like work with you and your family? Does it have schools that your kids can go to that are easily accessible? Gives you a chance to talk to some locals and learn about what the issues of the town are and all small towns have issues. Absolutely. Don't ever deep dive into the Facebook community groups of the towns that you want to live in because you'll just uncover the worst stuff that you don't want to hear about. When we were making the decision to move down to Warrigal, one of my oldest friends from school had moved down here. We obviously we grew up here and had moved back, but his wife wasn't from here. And she was great. She'd already been here for a few years and was a great source of information and comfort for me to be able to say, should we do this? What's it like? What's it like socially? What's it, you know, what are the schools like? All of these questions she'd already started looking into and was lovely enough to let me join her mother's group, which was amazing as well. So I think having those sort of conversations with people in a cafe about the town just casually is really nice. You are currently, what did you say you were 60, 40 here and Melbourne? Yeah. So another key point to think about when you're wanting to build a farm business is to have a five-year, 10-year plan. So we have a 10-year plan. We bought it in 2015 and we gave ourselves 10 years to build and create some businesses that were going to support the farm. Then also, is this lifestyle going to work for us? And then after 10 years, we can either pull the plug or make that full commitment. We also had children that were young when we started, sort of in early teens, but now my eldest will be 21 by the end of the year. And My son will be 18 by the end of the year and Riley will be finished VCE and Lily will have finished uni. And so next year, that percentage will even be greater as we move to maybe more like an 80-20 rule. That's also another great thing to give yourself some time to think about whether this lifestyle is going to work for you. And also that if it doesn't, it's not a failure. It's just that you gave it a crack better than not having a go. You gave it an opportunity and a chance, and that's fine if it doesn't work out. That 10-year plan has been great for us because it's taken that pressure off us to try to get there and succeed straight away. And as I described, in those first two years, we spent so much time just paddock regenerating, fence fixing, water tank fixing before we even planted a tree or anything like that. It just gave us time to embrace what that project was 
make some mistakes. We made a lot of mistakes. And this is what this course that we're planning on doing around let's buy the farm really showcases people. These are the kind of things we didn't think about. So learn from us before you make that massive investment into a farm. It's a beautiful way to share that knowledge. Any kind of business that you want to start, whether it's a farm or a candle or a soap making business. So important to go and find people who have already done it and have a chat to them. And the amazing thing is when I suggest that to people, they often think, oh, but they're my competitors and they're not. And most of the time, well, look, if somebody doesn't want to share information with you, that's fine. You just keep knocking on doors until you find someone. But being able to learn from people who have done it before is so critical to success, but also to success more quickly, not making some of those mistakes that can be mentally challenging as well as financially challenging. Yeah. I just don't think you have to reinvent the wheel the whole time. Say with us, with our garlic business, we get calls from young garlic farmers all the time saying, could we come and visit your farm and get some knowledge? And we're like, yep, come on down. Let us show you what it's like, what you got to think about, because everyone's patch of land is different. Everyone's weather conditions are different. The time you've got to invest in is different. And I don't see it as competitiveness at all. I just see it as any business that you can have that's creating Australian produce and building into the Australian market, supporting local farmers, supporting local. It's only good. Everyone gets good from that. And your garlic is delicious. Thank you. And your garlic salts, the wine salts are amazing. And I don't know if you're actually selling those at the moment. There's some down in Gippsland Food and Wine, which is in Yarrigan, and you can also buy it online. But that is another great example of collaboration. Here we were first year garlic farmers, and we had a whole lot of uh, probably 20 kilos of garlic left over that we didn't plant where the cloves or the what we call seed is too small to plant. We were out to dinner with the owners of String and Salt and Warrigal, Dave and Mish, and we were talking about this big 20 kilos of garlic we got, what can we do with it? And they have a business where they make spices and import spices. And so we started talking about what that might look like. And this is where this idea of a garlic salt came up. And then I said, what about if we collaborated with some local winemakers to do a wine garlic salt? So we've got some great local winemakers such as ARC Wines, Alivare Wines, Entropy Wines. I just approached them and said, could we buy some wine? And with String and Salt, we made this amazing product where we infuse roasted garlic, red wine into an Aussie salt, three products, and it's a finishing product when you've cooked your steak or your roasted veggies, your potatoes, your eggs, those kind of things. And everyone who's tried that salt loves it. And that's not a business that makes a huge amount of money for us, but the collaboration that we get with working with those local people, it's fun. And it's a great extension to what we do. We may build that business up some more. We're just testing the market to see how it goes. But the feedback so far, as I know you're a consumer, (laughs) is good. It's delicious. I actually interviewed Dave on the podcast a few months ago and a lot of what he talks about in that interview and a lot of what he talks about in general is that idea of collaboration and, and trying new things and taking risks and really thinking about ways that you can add value whether it's to the community, whether it's to your product line. If there's one thing I'll say about Dave and you and so many people that I know, it's just actually having a crack, trying something is almost as important as the more successful income streams like cattle and accommodation and things like that because that's where the fun comes in. 
Yeah, it absolutely is the fun. And Trev uses it at Hoggart Kitchen. So all of that just makes those connections deeper. And then that's how you're getting to become part of the community. Christy, what's coming up in the next few months for you in terms of your events and workshops and collaborations that you want to tell people about? Well, it's an interesting time because we're going into winter. So actually our farm sort of shuts down in terms of what it does in producing. So we've planted about eight and a half thousand garlic. That's all bedded, but we don't really touch that until November, December. Also too late. We have this 60 tree fruit salad orchard that all gets pruned the production of that comes down and the same with our market garden it's winter it's not growing as much I guess what's exciting about the market garden is we've employed a new gardener her name's Jessie Young Jessie's this gorgeous chef she used to work at Hoggett Kitchen and has done a horticultural course and come in to work with us We've made a a market garden that's too big to just be your kitchen market garden, but also too small to be like a commercially produced garden, but it's still producing a lot of food. We've been working with Jessie to supply Hoggett with some of our vegetables. And there's a new uh, restaurant, which you probably know about, Messmates Dining. Walking distance from my house. Oh, I'm so excited very much. So we're working with them to grow some things for them. Again, another collaboration where Jesse's going out and talking to these chefs saying, look, what can we grow? What are things that you might be able to use in your garden? And these restaurants want to support local and use local produce. So that is one exciting thing because we are planning a lot more in our garden to support those businesses. And then in September, October, we're going to run this Let's Buy a Farm business, a workshop at Green Hills Farm. And that's really just what I've talked about, like people that would have an idea that they'd like to buy a farm or maybe they've bought a farm and they're not really quite sure how to make it financially stable. So thinking what a mixed business might look like for you in managing what you're doing rather than just saying, I'm just going to stick with one business is also a great option to think about when you're building a farm business. And I imagine over winter, the accommodation would do well. It's such a warm and inviting space and it's not too far from Melbourne. So it'd be a nice place to just cozy up with a bottle of wine and a book and some friends or a partner. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place to come. We've got two indoor fires and one outdoor fire and lots of rugs and things like that to go and enjoy. We've also got two amazing walking tracks that are just because the Ridge House is actually 50 acres of beautiful natural bushland. But I still work on that in a marketing wise. I'm working with Chapter Barn, which is in Outrim, and we're working together. What kind of winter packages can we put together where they travel from Chapter Barn and maybe go to Truly in South Gippsland for lunch and then maybe go for a walk in Merbu North on the Grand Ridge Trail, then end up in the Ridge House for a night, and then maybe they go to Hoggett for lunch the next day. I'm all about connecting with people, connecting these local businesses. I mean, I just want to always shout out about Gippsland. I think it's an amazing place to live and so much to discover, so much to do. And I get a lot from working with people like that and working in those opportunities and and working on ways that we can collaborate together. 
Small Town Business was recorded on the lands of the Gunai Kurnai, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Big thanks to Chris at Jetstreamer for production and editing support. I'd be talking into a tin can without you. Don't forget to subscribe or follow. And if you like what you hear, please write a review to help me reach more people. Thanks for listening.